the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North, on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 or via podcast anytime. Now, let's get into it with your host, Dirk Hobbs. All right, good morning, Southern Colorado. Welcome to True North. It is Saturday morning, April 8th, and uh, we are on the eve of Easter Sunday. Welcome. Hope you are enjoying your Saturday morning on your walk, on your bike ride, whatever you're doing this morning. Hope you're enjoying it and taking in the scenic beauty that is Colorado Springs. What is our superpower here? What do you think it is? It is certainly our natural surroundings. Absolutely. So uh, big week last week. Uh, We had a little winter climb in. uh, So we're hopefully climbing out of that this weekend and into early next week. We'll start to hopefully get into the 70s maybe. Uh, or certainly as close as we can. Um, springtime in the Rockies, that's uh, guaranteed. You just don't know what's going to happen next, so weather-wise. So bring your flip-flops, bring your down comforter, whatever it is. Uh, bring it all, but uh, certainly enjoy the day. Um, we have a great guest in the studio this morning. Um, this is this is going to be a fun interview. We've, we've just come off a week of um, interviews with uh, six of the top mayoral candidates, and, of course, last week we found out that uh, Yemi Mobilade and Wayne Williams will be having a runoff uh, later in May. So May 16th looks like the runoff date uh, for the, the chief executive job here in Colorado Springs. So the mayor's job will is, is still not decided. Uh, there, there, it was a, a fair turnout. About 30 percent of the electorate actually showed up, which is... Still a little low um, as of Thursday or excuse me, Tuesday um, that morning, only about 16 percent had gone to the polls. Um, and that's one of the things we're going to we're going to tap on today is the privilege of being able to have a free and open election. And uh, we were with a gentleman this morning who has seen uh, a different side of life, to say it, to say the least. But um I'm interested to get his perspective. Uh, he's traveled all the way from Pretoria, South Africa, to be with us uh, here in this country. Um, with Linton Mare, he's a professional rugby player, but a uh, former professional rugby player, but he still looks like one. You just look you look like you walked off the field five minutes ago, man. Uh, this this pile of bricks in front of me. Um, but he is um, he's uh, sitting with us here in the studio he's going to share a little bit about his journey story so sit back relax and enjoy i want to thank ramos law for uh, helping us meet all these great people that are in and among us here in colorado springs who have amazing journey stories uh, both in business and in, in entertainment and in sports and in, in life in general and they're here to share their stories as as we uh, move along here so uh linton welcome to the studio no, good morning, Dirk. It's an uh, absolute honor to be here, and uh, your words are just too kind. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure how kind a pile of bricks is, but uh, but certainly, uh, if, if you want to check out Linton's story, it's in our uh, latest edition of North, 
And uh, you can go on coloradomediagroup.com forward slash magazines and check it out. Uh, he's got a great story. Uh, the, sto- the story title is called God Incidences, and we're going to get to know what that means a little bit. But let's get to know you first yep. and orient our listeners to a young man born in uh, in South Africa. Yeah. No, so, uh, originally, I'm from uh, Pretoria, South Africa. I was born in there in uh, the good old... Uh, what was it, 1993, okay. 30th December. Um, so it's just just incredible. I mean, I was born two months, two weeks, premature as well. Actually weighed nine, 900 grams as a, as a, as a, as a baby. Okay. And uh, just, just, just phenomenal, you know, you know, coming from, you know, that point in my life to just to uh, how life has unfolded. And, you know, for me being here in this incredible country, yeah. it's just Incredible. So start with the the, the early stories. Yeah. Uh, you 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 uh, were raised by a single mom. Mm. You have brothers. Yeah. Uh, talk talk about young life in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. No, I've got three three brothers, yep. and uh, I mean we're we're best friends. I mean, awesome. you know, I love I love them to bits. And uh, you know, yes, we don't see each other every single day. We'll we're we're all split up all around the world, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's kind of one of those relationships where when you do see each other, it felt like. We saw each other yesterday. So my family has always been something that's been very, very close to my heart. And uh, just, uh, it's just just amazing that the, the brotherhood that we've always been mm-hmm. been able to keep as well. And uh, a big part of that goes to my mom. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my parents got divorced in 2004. I was in, what was it? The, I was nine years old nine. At, the, yeah. at, the, at the time. And uh, just for, for a mother... To take on four boys by herself where, you know, that that to me is just incredible. Um, you know, my mom played a massive role in not just my life, but uh, my three other brothers as well. And uh, just, yeah, she's just phenomenal. She's incredible. I mean, I'll give you a, a, a little bit of information on that. I mean, sure. yeah, she, we, we would literally wake up at about four o'clock, you know, 4.15 every single morning. Uh, get ready for school. It's about a 30 minute, 40 minute drive to mm-hmm. get to school every day. So, I mean, as a fourth grader, fifth grader, my brothers were a little bit older than what I was. You know, it, it, it wasn't easy being at school, you know, that early in the mornings because, I mean, she, she, she was working in Johannesburg at the time. So just to put that into perspective, I mean, there's a couple, that's a couple million people that live just between Johannesburg and Pretoria. So, your peak time traffic, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It kind of makes Denver traffic look like uh, <laughs> look like an ease, you ease. know. So it's not it's not difficult at all. Um, but like no, you know, she she dropped us off roughly five o'clock in the mornings at school, and 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 only picked us up at about seven p.m. at night, seven thirty at night, and uh, yeah, you know, just you know, my brothers and I, we, we come from a humbling background, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so some days we only had two sandwiches, you know, that had to last us. Throughout throughout the whole day, and uh, sure. we just had to get by. Yep. So the three the, you guys were were how close are you in age? So oldest brother, he's four years older than what I am. Okay. Second oldest is two years older than what I am, and then the youngest is four years younger. Okay. Then then so you're number three. I'm four. number three. Okay. Yes, sir. And were you all just kind of young, rambunctious fellows? I mean, yeah, <laughs> wrestling around no, in I the mean, yard, or I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, we would always try and 
keep each other busy on weekends especially and mm-hmm. uh, we'd just play cricket in the backyard if it wasn't cricket we could play we would play some rugby in the backyard some touch rugby and I mean touch rugby normally always turned into the physical aspect of I'm it sure it did you know so yep. um, yeah I mean you know that was one of the positives and uh, things that I'm very very grateful for yep. um, just having that good strong relationship with with my brothers so what was life like for the for four young boys in the house I mean um obviously mom was was working you guys were in school during the week but on the weekends for example what did yeah. that look like i mean was it kind of a typical young growing up coming of age or or was it different than what yeah, you Yeah so i mean in our youth days we we all we, i mean we did probably participated in four or five different sports at mm-hmm. a time okay right so i mean we were very very busy you know during the week weekends as well so if we weren't at home, we were on the sport sport fields, especially like on a Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, in the, in the earlier days, we all used to swim. Um, this was actually before I even started, you know, taking rugby seriously. Um, so, I mean, my mom would, you know, spend about, what, you know, a full day pretty much, eight, nine, ten hours just on the side of the swimming pool. And if I wasn't swimming, I was watching my brother swim, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, and we didn't have the luxury of being able to go home. Right, because we lived far away from sure. from our sporting events and and so forth, so yep. I mean we would just spend a lot of time you know together mm-hmm. and uh, watching each other on the sports sports fields. So would you do the you know the electronics, the TV thing? We would, of, yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, majority most kids out there, obviously, you know, at, at those days we would. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we, we 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 played a little bit of Call of Duty. Out there, so I mean, especially my youngest brother, he was a big, big fan. I mean, some some nights he would actually play throughout the whole night, oh, nice. which was which was interesting. I mean, with the I headphones, I, with the headphones. <laughs> I mean, I I couldn't do that, yeah. but I mean, he was just incredible at playing. But then, yeah, I mean, that's you know, a big way of how my brothers and I would connect as well. If it wasn't you know schoolwork, um, if we just in our spare time, if we weren't playing sports or anything like that. We mm-hmm. would just connect together and play some games. So was the was the mom an athlete too or my mom actually was, okay. yeah. So she she was a eight hundred meter specialist. Okay. Um in athletics. So um so she has actually has an incredible story too. I mean she was just a phenomenal athlete and uh so during the apartheid times in South Africa, South Africa was sanctioned from competing um, with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So in her peak in her career I mean, she was running a two-minute flat on an 800 meter, right? So, I mean, quick. just to put that into perspective, that time would have gotten her into the semifinals of the last Olympic Games, okay? right? So, at her best, she was unfortunately not allowed to represent South Africa at the highest level. Okay, and we'll get into why yeah. uh, some of that and, and some of the privileges that we mm. experience here in the States weren't so apparent in South Africa. So, um, your brothers, I mean, you guys... Mm. Was she the inspiration or were there other people in your immediate family that that kind of brought sport to your lives? No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, my mom started it off, you know, with us. She definitely wanted to get us involved um, into the sporting sporting world. Mm -hmm. I feel like sport is just such a massive part, you know, in someone's life. And uh, I mean, Nelson Mandela, you know, one of our icons from from South Africa, world Mm -hmm. leader of, of, of today. Um, you know, he said it best, right? It's just such a good way to to take kids and keep them away from the bad stuff in, yeah. in, in, in life. But not just that, it just teaches so much self-discipline, mm-hmm. which is just, in my opinion, just phenomenal. I mean, the grit and, and all of that. So it's just, it's amazing. So my mom, yes, she did want us to, to compete. 
um, and so forth. But not just that, we kind of developed our self-love for, for sports as well. So in my younger days, I would probably say I was a, a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. um, a master of none. I, uh, I swam, I, uh, um, athletics, I played cricket, I played soccer, um, and obviously, you know, rugby as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, athletics. So, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. Only later did I start to specialize in, in rugby. So terrific. Yeah. Well, I want to dive back into that and, uh, kind of unpack your journey to the States, your educational background and, and some of your perceptions, yeah. uh, coming from a country like that where apartheid was such a predominant part of your life, uh, to the freedoms and liberties that we all here in America enjoy. Uh, and maybe some of the things we take for granted. So I want to definitely tap on some of those things as well as your professional sports journey. I'm here with Linton Mare. He's a South African uh, by birth, but he's a naturalized U.S. citizen. Two years now. Congratulations. Appreciate you, sir. Thank Welcome you so much. Welcome to the United States. All right, we're back with Linton in just a minute. I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. All right, we're back in the studio. Uh, you're sitting here with Dirk Hobbs and Linton Mare from South Africa. You're listening to True North on this beautiful Saturday morning in Southern Colorado. Hope you're enjoying your bike ride or your walk with your dog or your uh, significant other, enjoying the beautiful Colorado Springs. So breathe deep, everybody, and enjoy. Uh, hope you're enjoying this day before Easter. And um, just want to give a quick shout out and thanks to Salem Media for uh, hosting a great event. Last week, I uh, had the privilege of sitting uh, in the in the Broadmoor suite to listen to Mercy Me, and uh, what what an absolutely amazing concert and an amazing time with some absolutely beautiful people. So, uh, great spiritual lift, and uh, I know that's part of your journey too, Linton. Uh, you, uh, we were talking about your brothers and, and the rambunctious uh, household of the of the Mare family back in South Africa. Uh, but what was schooling like for you guys? Uh, prep school all the way mm. to to when you started thinking about university. Yeah, no, absolutely. So in South Africa, it's a little bit different than it was here in the states. So we have kindergarten, and then you have primary school, and then you have high school. So primary school is from the grades one to seven. Mm-hmm. So from what the ages of six to about thirteen. Okay. Um, and then you have high school after that from uh, um, the eighth grade until the twelfth grade. Okay. So we don't have elementary school, middle school, and then high school like yeah. like it is over here in the states. So um, no, I mean it was it was incredible. I mean I feel like you know schooling really helped form the man I am today. Okay. Uh, especially the high school that I that I went to. So I went to an all boy high school in uh, Pretoria, South Africa. So school's name was uh, Pretoria Boys High. Just simply just incredible school. Um, it's really formed me to be, you know, that I like to call myself as, as being a gentleman. Um, so that's one of the morals that the school really prides itself on. So we're roughly close to six, 1,600 boys mm-hmm. um, in high school. So, But for me, what really stands out about the school is just the manners, the discipline um, that is implemented in, in, in the school and that you just learn as a youngster. I mean, if you think about it, if you're coming from the seventh grade, 
I mean, yes, you're going to be kind of thinking, oh, yeah, I'm on top of the world. I've got all these young kids under me and, 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 and so forth. But, I mean, you get to the school in high school, immediately your seniors, your 12th graders put you, put you in your place, uh-huh. um, but like in, in, in a good way. Sure. So how it worked is every, every student in the eighth grade got assigned a senior to kind of like mentor, mentor, you, yeah. mentor you throughout your whole first year, mm-hmm. right? So what this mentor does is they just teach you the school of morals, what the school stands for, um, the respect, the mm-hmm. discipline. Um, just to give you an example, um, we could be sitting on a uh, on a bench, for example, and uh, teachers could be walking past, parents could be walking past, doesn't matter who the person is. One by one, us as students would stand up and we would say, ma'am, sir. You would always start with, yes. with, with ma'am and then you would say, sir, after that, if it was a female uh-huh. um, and so forth. And same thing with exams. I mean, we could be writing an exam or a test in class and if someone were to walk in, your school into your classroom immediately you stop what you're doing you stand up and you say ma'am sir wow you know you you greet them and now is that still prevalent now is that still kind of the way it works it's still exactly the same i mean the the school i think it's uh right now it's uh what is it almost 120 what 24 years old okay so just these traditions came back from 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 you know obviously early in uh what is it you know like the late Late 1900s okay. uh, or the early 1900s, early 1900s should I, should I sure. say. So yeah. um, it's just it's, 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 it's what we pride ourselves in. Um, it's just the respect and the manners that we have as boys. So are the schools private and public like here in the States? or, or Yes, yeah, so you do, you do get your private schools in South Africa. My mm-hmm. school, we weren't considered a private school. We were actually considered semi-private. Um, so we followed a lot of like the European curriculums for mm-hmm. our academics and uh, so forth. Now, was, were those protocols pretty standard across the board for any, whether they were private, public or semi-private? Yeah. yeah. So a lot of the schools did. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big thing was even in your, your public schools, we would wear school uniforms. There's only a handful, mm-hmm. a handful of schools in South Africa that actually allow you to wear civvies. Um, what I mean by that is just not wear a school uniform, yeah, but that being clothes, yeah. correct. So, mm-hmm. but what I mean by that is even with that being said, you still wear whatever your school badge is oh, yeah. on that, on that sort of clothes. So it's not like a, a good thing. Yeah. Correct. So I yeah. mean, like in our school, for example, your hair wasn't allowed to touch your, your, um, your ears. So, I mean, as, as boys, I mean, obviously we always pushed the limits and wanted to see how far, you know, what we could get away with and, uh, and so forth. So those are always good times, but, uh, yeah, you had to be clean shaven mm-hmm. at school too. And, uh, if you didn't, if you weren't clean shaven, your master would actually give you a, a razor. So it happened to me a couple of times too. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you're just rushing, rushing to get out the door and, uh, you yeah. just don't have time. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so they would give you a blade and, uh, no shaving cream, none nope. of that. And, uh, nice cold shave. It's basically a lesson, <laughs> a lesson learned. Yep, lesson. indeed. So when you see what you see on American television mm-hmm. um, with the phenomenon we have in this country with school shootings, yeah, I mean, that must blow your mind. Yeah. Um, it, there is not the same level of decorum right. in the American classroom mm-hmm. as what you're describing mm-hmm. you had in South Africa. Is that an accurate assessment? No, it's 100% accurate. Yeah. So – I mean, what what could we learn? I mean, what are we missing from your perspective? Yeah, for me, I think the big thing is just the discipline side of things, right? So, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, it's 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 not a bad thing if you if you discipline students. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, there's there's there is a fine line, and so forth, and it really just starts, um, you know, from your from your teachers at school, right? The consistency side of that is is massive. You can't 
you can't treat a certain people one way and then you know treat someone else a different way. It doesn't it doesn't quite work like that. You have to have certain set um, um, discipline disciplinary standards, sure, and that should be the same across the board, right? right. So a big a big factor to that is uh, I, I feel like it starts at home as well with uh, with our parents, you mm-hmm. know. So just uh, you know you, you need to have parents that that really just discipline good manners. Into into their into their children as well, mm-hmm. so which is just important because I mean it's not just not just that, but I mean the respect you get from that too, the respect you you form for 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 your elders. Too, of course, you know what I mean. And one another, back, exactly, and one another. You know, mm-hmm. back back chatting to each other. I mean, my mom would never tolerate that. For example, yeah. right? That was something that was extremely important. Same thing with school. You never back chat your teachers. If you did, you go to the master. I mean, did we get hidings? No, we didn't. But we got like a really serious talking to. Right. And, you know, the teachers really explained to you why no is no and why yes is yes. So reconcile that that culture mm-hmm. when apartheid was at its highest and uh, most prevalent. There was a lot of cultural turmoil in mm-hmm. South Africa. Um, but yet it seems the way you're describing it, there was something of an order in a piece mm. within the school systems. Is that, am no, I reading no, that abs- right? Abs- absolutely. Okay. So it's just all, all of these kids, all, all of the schools in South Africa, I'd say majority of them, I mean, we, we're there to learn, right? We're there to become, you know, the best versions of ourselves. And the school is simply just there to really mold you into, into, into that version, right? Be, to become the best woman, best man that we could possibly be. And to, to lay that foundation so that once we're done with school, we then take that into into adulthood. Okay, so it wasn't really the part of a, of of the school to raise the children, no. but it was their job to sculpt, you know, the the characters Correct. and of course the the ac, the academic components of Correct. it. Uh, for you, I mean, it really came from the home, right? That's where it started, absolutely. And what was the rest of your family unit look look like there? Yeah, so I mean, grandparents, aunts, mm-hmm. uncles, any of that? Yeah. No, so I mean, we all followed the same systems, mm-hmm. um, and so forth. So my, actually, in our family, so my my home language is Afrikaans. So English is my second language, mm-hmm. and so what that means is my mom actually thought that uh, she was going to put us, you know, her, her her kids into an English school, right? Okay. So because I mean, the rest of the world is English out there, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of business is actually done in in English, but uh, the rest of my family, my cousins, you know, they kind of like frowned upon my mom actually for making making that decision Mm -hmm. so and i'm super blessed that she actually decided to do that because all of my studies everything was in english i mean i mean here i am today right no what a massive god incidence that is and uh just uh now i'm able to speak the language and uh, really just understand certain terminologies and and all of that where my cousins for example you know, the English isn't their first their first language. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of times, you know, they would they would struggle speaking the language. Yep. So again, with with regards to the schools mm-hmm. and in your personal journey, I mean, you didn't see this kind of behavior that you're seeing in the states right now with with I, I this hyper individualism no. and you know my reality or my truth. Right. I mean, it it sounds to me, and it sounds like it's still the same over there. That you know, life in South Africa as a student. I mean, you're just you're 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 allowed to be young. You're allowed right. to be uh, a, a young person with ideals and, and visions and, and dreams. Yeah. Uh, here, it's it, it seems much different. I mean, in a nutshell, what's mm. your perspective of the American school system? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's a very very good question. So, 
I'm I'm a little conflicted in 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 that regard. I just I just feel like uniform school uniforms is something that I feel you know deeply in my heart that needs to be implemented in American in American schools. Mm-hmm. There's just so much natural discipline that gets formed by that. I mean, if you know you need to. You know, your hair's not allowed to touch your, your, your ears, for example. You have to be clean shaven. That just naturally automatically implements discipline yeah. into, into, into your life. Well, some you know structure, what I mean? Some structure and yep. consistency yep. And, um, and, and, and so forth. And, uh, but I mean, I'll tell you back to your question on just school shootings, for example. I mean, right. never in my life. Yes, I mean, South Africa is one of the top crime, crime countries in, in, in the world. But even that being said, like, never would you ever think someone's going to potentially bring a gun to school, yeah. for example. You know what I mean? It's it's a safe place to really express who you are as a young child. And just learn. And just learn. Yeah. And learn so many different aspects of life. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave it there for a second, folks, while we take a break here we're with Linton Mare. We're going to get into his professional career as an athlete and where that started and where it led him over here to the United States. So hope you're enjoying your Saturday. We're back in a minute with Linton Mare. and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. And we're back here with Linton Mare, uh, South African uh, uh, natural citizen, and now he's a naturalized citizen here in the United States. Uh, 2021 uh, was the big day for you. What was that like? It was, you know, there's, Literally, I'm lost for it. I mean, just to be part of this country and knowing that I'm a citizen of this incredible country is just just phenomenal. Okay. I mean, growing up in South Africa, there's if you had asked me eight years, nine nine years ago, hey, Linton, in a couple of years you're going to be a citizen of the United States, I would have just laughed at you. <laughs> you know, this this is not something that you Why? just. Um, Why would you have laughed? Well, I mean, you, you think about the odds, right? You think about okay, I'm in a third world country. Where, how is this ever going to happen? You know, huh. you don't even know where to begin because as a, as a youngster, you know, we learn so much about the United States for being one of the, the world leading countries that, that we have mm-hmm. in, in our incredible world. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we learn a lot about the history of the United States and just what it represents and, and, and how strong and how proud people are. So what is that curriculum over there? What what did they teach you about the United States when you were in prep school? Yeah, so I mean in school obviously we would learn a lot about like the different states mm-hmm. and um and and so forth, different cities. We'd actually learn a little bit about like the the segregation that happened in in the in the United States a couple of years ago as well. Mm-hmm. We would learn about slavery. Yeah. You know, the that that the United States had experienced. You know, learn about Abra- Abraham Lincoln. We learn about past presidents and just the world leaders, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and what was the perception helped. in your peer group about what American life was like for your contemporaries? In the no, ni- I mean in it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's a dream, right? So obviously we would we would look we would watch a lot of movies, you know, your Hollywood movies and this and that, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we we would learn about Las Vegas, and everyone would be like, oh yeah, I want to go to Las Vegas one day. It looks <laughs> incredible, you know, the entertainment side of things. It's just yeah. So I mean, yeah. it really is something that that a lot of my peers we talk about and um, and just joke about. Be like, yeah, one day, you know, we'd love to be in the United States, and I mean, here I am. So it's an ambition. It's a generally uh, among your peer group. It's an ambition to leave South Africa 
Yeah, I mean, I would, I wouldn't even say just leave South Africa, even just to come visit, just to you visit know? the states, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's very difficult to come visit the United States too, um, which, in my opinion, I've been through a lot. I've been on both sides, and I understand why it's difficult, and I one hundred percent respect that because if it wasn't difficult, you know, to come to the United States, then you know, half the world's population would want to be here. Well, sure. You, you, you know, so um, you have to take that into into consideration. And when you say South Africa is a third world country for, mm. you know, for those, I mean, we see pictures, we've seen the pictures of apartheid. Right. Obviously, Nelson Mandela is a, right. a very well-known figure mm. in your culture. But when you just, when you describe your nation as a third world country, yeah, what are what are some of the descriptors that you would put with that? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you a simple question. Sure. Have you, have you ever um, gone a day where for 30 minutes to an hour where you haven't had electricity. Okay, fair enough. No. Right. So, I mean, in South Africa, we have something that's called load shedding. Um, and sometimes for 8, 10 hours, sometimes even 12 hours a day, you wouldn't have any electricity at home. Which means no air conditioning in nothing. the summer. Like okay. literally nothing, right? Yeah. So little, little things, things, things like that. I mean, that is just, you know, phenomenal. Things right? we take just for granted here. Massively. And I mean, the, the thing is, even that being said, with South Africa being just one of the crime capitals of the world, even one of the, the rape capitals of the world, um, you know, something you need to consider, take into consideration. Have you ever gone, you know, to sleep at night where you're afraid someone's going to break into your home, right? Where you literally have to have a system. You have to, we as a family had checks, right? That like boxes that we needed to check to, mm-hmm. to make sure this door's locked, that door's locked, this, the alarm is on. That, that kind of thing. I mean, we have burglar bars on every single window. We have electricity, um, um, like 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 wires on your walls, for example, right. Right, for people not to be able to enter. We've got beams, um, you know, in our in our gardens, for example, right. Yeah. So for alarms to go off, if there's any movements and so forth. And the thing is, to live in an environment like that, it's 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 tough. It's not it's not easy, um, and especially if you're a youngster. Just growing up, no, no, no kids would want to want to live in fear, sure. like that. And did you feel fear, or was I it did. just fairly? You I know, did life as usual. No, absolutely, I you did. You felt fear, and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it, it happened a few times where where burglary, you know, would they would actually break into our homes and stuff, and we would we would actually be there. Oh wow! Um, so very scary moment. Two thousand and what is it? Two thousand and nine. Uh, we actually had, <clears throat> sorry, people break into our home and, uh, you know, just through the grace of God, um, you know, my mom, my mom almost got raped in front of, in front of our eyes. Oh my gosh. Um, and through the grace of God, it didn't happen. And she was able to get rid of the, the, the person that was on top of her mm-hmm. and she screamed for help. And my brothers and I, we woke up and literally a couple of people just ran past us and I bumped into one of them, but it was so dark we couldn't see anything. I thought it was my little brother at the time. Pushed me out of the way. My oldest brother and I, we started chasing after them. They started shooting at us inside our own home. Oh, good. So Great. it's wow. uh, it's it's things things like that to just put your life into 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 a certain perspective and uh, just for you to know that you're in a safe environment, um, especially when it comes to your wife. And uh, if you have a daughter as well, I mean, those kind of things, it really puts a lot of lot of aspects of your life just at ease. Indeed. Well, so this is maybe where spirituality and sport mm. kind of merge in your life yeah. and really take a stronghold. Um, 
what what did your your let's start with the sporting journey first mm. uh coach your mom was a key figure in that as mm. we've unpacked uh your brothers were athletes mm. you are clearly an athlete uh at, at what point did you really say rugby's rugby's where i want to go how'd that work out yeah so in the in the seventh grade i i had an accident and uh, i was driving my grandmother's well not driving i was riding my grandmother's bicycle just uh down a, down a mountain uh-huh. and uh, i mean at the time i was probably sw- swimming the best uh, that i ever had um really just developed a new stroke um for the 50 and 100 meter freestyle that actually improved my so you were going to be a swimmer I was going to be a swimmer. Yeah. So I had swam for roughly eight years before I started really focusing on playing rugby. So that was really the goal for me. Um, and yeah, just, just had a career ending um, injury on the, you know, while I was still swimming. So I, I had fallen off the bicycle and uh, broken my collarbone in, <laughs> in, in, in two places. Oh, man. So which unfortunately, you know, when I started swimming again, it cost me about two seconds. In a 50-meter sprint, I mean... That's the difference sometimes. That, that's a massive difference. I mean, you're talking yep. about two body lengths in, a, in one, 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 one sprint. And I mean, there's no ways I'm going to go to the next level. So right. um, I really started then playing rugby in, and really focusing on rugby in the eighth grade. I mean, I started playing rugby at the age of five. So, I mean, we were tackling each other at the age of five and all of that. <laughs> so amazing times. But I mean, when I really started focusing, I would say in the eighth grade was when I started focusing and know and find out like, hey, you know what, I'm actually pretty decent at this at this sport. And uh so the odds were always against me playing playing rugby because I mean, just living so far away from school, um, you know, just coming from a tough tough background financially, I wasn't able to get the best nutrition mm-hmm. as a young so I wasn't able to get the best supplementation the way that my teammates my teammates did or mm-hmm. my even the opposition did. Right. So I was always kind of um, a, a step behind um, on, 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 on that side of things. Sure. But uh, it really just came down to just pure grit, determination, really working hard, Brilliant. training three, four times a day, um, even waking up at two o'clock in the morning because, I mean, I was always a, a lot smaller than than everyone else. So waking up at like two o'clock in the morning just to get some food sure. because I didn't want to go, you know, sleep eight, nine, ten hours without eating something, right? right? So really needed to force feed myself mm-hmm. um, and anything I could find. I would just eat. So where did you, where work. did this dovetail into more of a profession for you? Yeah, so it, it all happened in high school. Okay. So I uh, started playing for the, your, what do you guys call it over here? It's your varsity team. So I started playing for the varsity team in the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So, and that's something that's, that's hardly ever seen. You're, you're a under 16 player yeah. playing for the seniors. So when you get to 17 years old and when you get to 18 years old, those two age categories, they play together, right? So I was in the 10th grade and that's when I really figured out, well, you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty decent at this okay. and I want to give this a shot. So I did everything in my power to, to pick up some weight, to be the fastest guy, to be the fittest guy. So, I mean, that being said, I've actually only lost one fitness test in my, in my, in my whole career. So um, I always prided my, myself in that. Yep. So, so this is a radio show. So give yeah. folks a visual here. Height, weight, yeah. dimensions. Yeah, six foot three. Uh, my playing days, I was at about 275, 12% body fat. I ran a 40 in about a 458. Mm-hmm. So I was fast, um, had some good, decent size. Indeed. And, uh, I mean, max squat. 550. And what position did you play? Uh, I played uh, eighth man mm-hmm. and then I uh, played blindside flank. Right. Very good. And and so where did it, this dovetail into a profession for you? 
with yeah. that after you got here in the states? Yeah, no. So I turned I turned pro in South Africa straight mm-hmm. out of high school. So straight out of to, high school. Wow. Went to college then at the same time, and then went to go um, study project management. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, wow, was that not a journey? I mean, <laughs> literally trained three times, you know, four times a day, and then you still had school on top of that. Yeah. So did I have the average college experience? No, I definitely did not have the college experience. But the thing is, I chose to to live that life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very disciplined. I've actually never tasted alcohol, not even a drop in my in my life. Still to this day. Still to this day. Brilliant. So I have no idea what it tastes like. You're and, not missing much. And <laughs> I couldn't care less, to be honest. <laughs> so so your, your university journey, you finished there? I did. Okay. I did. With project management is, is a degree. And then uh, you, you got into the profession over there. Mm-hmm. What brought you to the States? Yeah. So uh, my mom and my stepfather got married in 2011. So how it actually works is any child under the age of 18, you actually automatically qualify for a green card. So my stepfather, he's uh, born and raised out of Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. And uh, so he was at, in, a, in a project, uh, working on a project in South Africa an American company. And um, that's actually how my mom and my stepfather had met. They were working at the same the same uh, project. So the funny thing was, I mean, my mom was divorced at that time. But the funny thing was that uh, she would always still wear a wedding ring. She didn't want people to hit on her. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, my stepfather just didn't know. You know, he didn't, <laughs> yeah. he didn't believe. He didn't believe that, that, that she was married. And uh, yeah, just what an incredible gentleman. And uh, I mean, he's, uh, he's obviously the reason why I was able to come to the States. Well, let's come back with Linton Mare here in the fourth quarter. Uh, what's your jam song, man? Real quick. What's the song you work out to or jam to in the car? Yeah, so it really just depends on like, you know, what mood I'm in. But uh, something that's just nice and relaxing, I'll just say it's uh, it's called, um, what is it? Um, so the, the the DJ is Robin Schultz and then the song's name is Wrong. Wrong. His, his album is Prayer. All right, let's take a listen. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. All right, we're in the fourth quarter here with True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. Welcome to True North. And we're sitting here with Linton Mare, who uh, who has come over to us uh, here in the States from South Africa. And what an amazing journey story. And, you know, one of the things that attracted me to this interview with uh, Linton was your your experience over there and what you describe as a third world country mm. and your migration over to the United States, the opportunities that have you, you call them God instances mm. throughout Throughout your journey, and uh, you kind of described one um, where, where you and your brothers and your mother were in the in the home, and mm. you were burglarized, and and mm. it could have gone way worse than it did. Absolutely, uh, there's there's the hand of God on, mm. on that situation right there, protecting all of you right. from what could have been a horrific circumstance. Uh, but there are multiple others, and you you just strike me as one of these people that are just grateful for every mm. living moment. Oh, uh, and and I can't it comes across in in not only the way you tell your story, mm. but uh, just just the way you you talk about life. And one of the things 
that you and I talked about before, uh, offline here was what uh, what potential this mm-hmm. nation has uh, when you see what you've come from into what we what what you're in today mm-hmm. here in Colorado Springs in the middle of the United States pretty much and and just a million miles away from from what that was mm-hmm. you're still very proud of your country you're you're Absolutely. a proud South African mm-hmm. man but you're also a proud American absolutely and uh talk to us a little bit about your 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 immigration mm. and your naturalization into this country and what mm. that truly meant to you mm. and then how you perceive the world around you today here yeah. in the states no i mean absolutely i mean you know first of all i'm just so incredibly blessed to be in this incredible country and uh, this country has meant so much to me i've met so many amazing people as well and uh, just uh, there was a time that I was actually driving for Uber and Lyft as mm-hmm. well, just mm-hmm. on the side to actually pay for my um, my wife's wedding ring. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go into debt or anything like that. Just uh, wanted to use that money and and pay her her ring with, with yeah with just cash, cash yeah. basically. And uh, I met so many people, and I would normally have the same same conversations with pretty much everyone that I used to drive around. And um, something that really stood out to me was just how people would complain back then about like who's the president right um politics especially you know what's what's going on in this country right now so but the thing is is to be in this country to be to have been born in this country is is such a massive blessing in its own right where yes things might not go the way where you personally wanted to go right now in this very second but the thing is, you're still in a better position than roughly 99% of the rest of the world out there, mm. right? Meaning opportunity-wise too. Mm-hmm. Um, when this country, when, when people say, you know, United States is the land of opportunities, um, it really is. Um, and, and something that really stands out to me, and, and this is something that I feel everyone should be very, very excited about, is does the United States have its problems? Of course it does. Does perfection exist? No, right? We're all imperfect people living in this imperfect world. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is is to realize that you're very blessed and very fortunate for what we have in life, mm-hmm. right? And and the thing is, yes, this country is not perfect, right? But there's a lot of excitement to look forward to. And what that is, is this country is amazing in all its rights, but it's nowhere near even even the potential that it has to offer, so when you see that ugly American, quote unquote, uh, come out, um, whether it's on social media mm. or uh, acting out on, on, on the public stage right. somewhere, right. I mean, there must be a little bit of an offense yeah. in, inside when you see all the all the privilege and all the mm. accessibility we have towards so much. Even the folks that uh, you would say aren't living at the top mm. of the up top of the hill, mm. there's still tremendous exposure to right. opportunity here. Um for you, that wasn't readily available in South Africa. I mean, no. you had to you had to really stand out and really work amongst the crowd. Mm. But here, you just have this profound appreciation for the rights and freedoms and liberties that we have. No, absolutely. I mean, I think I think you know the the good times in life we we, we can never take that for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's something that's that's really important that you really need to realize and understand. Because I mean, you know, things your life could be going one way, and then God can bring you. In, we bring you to your knees the very next second, you know, so it's in, incredibly important to be so thankful for what we have in life. And that's, that's where I kind of want to tie back mm. into your, your journey into spirituality. I mean, it really started with mom and the family unit again. 
Um, but you came to Christ a little further downstream mm. in your life. Uh, what was that journey like? Yeah. So for me, you know, when you have, when you're talking about religion, I think, I think especially as a Christian, it's important to really understand you need to develop a, your own personal relationship with the Lord, right? I mean, yes, your mom and your parents can introduce you to your faith, mm-hmm. but it's really up to you to have that personal relationship with the Lord. So actively in the ninth grade, um, that's when I really decided I got baptized um, again for the second time. And that's when I actively, actively gave my life to Christ. And that's just where everything just changed, changed for me. What um, happened though? Yeah, I went to, went to our school farm um, with the church that I was with. And um, it was, whew, it was roughly negative five degrees outside. <laughs> it was a very, very cold day. And uh, we went to the river and got into our our uh, swimsuits and literally our pastor just baptized us into the into into water and let me just tell you like you would think you would be freezing cold but my body was on fire in that moment it That's was awesome. one of the most incredible experiences that I've ever ever felt but, but what happened between you and Christ at that yeah. moment, uh, during that time yeah. that, that no i mean it was just a committed a, follower it was just a true relationship mm-hmm. that, that, that formed. Um, you know, what came from this as well was just you, you, you learn how, how to be selfless. Um, I always tell people, even here in the United States, you know, just uh, even my own employees, for example, people that I come across, people that I meet for the first time, I always tell them kindness doesn't cost a thing, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just feel like that's, that's, that's how Jesus looks at us as well. Um, it doesn't matter how many times we fail. He's always going to love us for who we are. Um, and for me, that is just so, so incredible. And you and your wife, Simone, share this journey together. Correct. So, yes, sir. But it was a while before you found her. It was. It was a while. <laughs> so, I mean, it all started in college and uh, literally just I had a crush on her in college. And, but I knew I was coming to the States at the time, so I did not approach her. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, we connected over Facebook and, uh, you know, we started talking that way. It took her about nine, nine months to finally respond to one of my messages. Oh, my. <laughs> but, uh, you know, persistence, I just, I, I just knew what I had in her and what an incredible person she was. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, here we are today. We're married. So. How long now? So it's been a little over two years now. And how do you all live out your life and faith here in the land yeah. of opportunity? Because uh, it strikes me as you, yeah. would, you would be one heck of a mentor no, for, young, means a lot. for young minds. That means a lot. Um, no, I think uh, it's 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 important to to live your life by example. I feel like actions speak louder than words. I'm the kind of person that that loves to lead by actions um, and not just talk about my faith, but really, you know, live by it. Um, mm-hmm. I treat people exactly the same way how I would treat my wife. That is something that's important to me. Beauty. Um, so, I mean, I I've got one thing that I want to share with you that that's something that's close to my heart, and. Um, so I actually want you to want you to close your eyes All right. right now, and um, so I want you to to actually picture yourself at your own funeral one day. Now, I want you to think about your loved ones and everyone you hope to be there. Just try and try and envision that. Mm-hmm. And now I want you to think about what do you, what do you think they're going to say about you. When, when your brother, when your sister, wh- whoever, your, your children, you know, stand up there and they talk about your life, what would you like them to say about you mm-hmm. as a dad, as a friend, as a brother? Very good. Now you open your eyes. Now you use that as the motivation 
to the person you strive to be every single day. People are not going to remember you for being a billionaire or having a million dollars in the bank or how many deals you closed or this or that. No, they're going to remember you for the person that you were, the heart that you had, the emotions that you carried on your sleeve, the difference that you wanted to make in people's lives. That is how I believe we need to live our lives um, and simply just you know, try to get the best out of one another, be there for one another, truly be brothers and sisters to each other. doesn't matter if we don't know each other, right? That's just what God expects of us as we're all his children. doesn't matter whether you're male or female. doesn't matter where, whether you're black, white, um, Hispanic, any of our races. God doesn't care. And that's, 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 that's my take on, on that. Well, that was an extraordinary experience, and I hope our listeners enjoyed that as well. And, um, yeah, that is a very healthy exercise uh, to stop, pause, and reflect. What are, what, what are we leaving behind? Right. And, um, uh, boy, what, what an extraordinary uh, young man sitting in front of me, 29-year-old Linton Mare from South Africa, uh, naturalized here in the United States just two years ago. And, boy, you'd think I was speaking to a man of many, many, many more years than just 29. But uh, what a blessing it was to have you here in the studio, Linton. Thank you. appreciate it. Uh, and this is just the me. tip of the iceberg for Absolutely. you, man. You've yes, got sir. lots more to come, <laughs> and I want to wish you and Simone blessings. That means a lot. And, thank you. And um, uh, just thank you for being a, a, a blessed and, and wonderful member of our country. Absolutely. And uh, glad to have you here. Massive honor. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, we've been sitting here with Linton Mare from uh, South Africa. My name is Dirk Hobbs. This, that is his true north, and I hope you'll pause a moment to reflect and make, make something of that for your own true north. Uh, today, I'm going to leave you with Joy Williams here with us as we enter into the holiest of holy days in the Christian faith, Easter Sunday. Have a blessed day, everyone. A baby born to save, to save the souls of men. listening to True North with your host, Dirk Hobbs, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.